We are over, picking up where we left off at Genesis chapter 17. We've been looking at this pattern that we saw first off with Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Mary, and then went over and saw the same pattern over with Abraham. And that is that people were ignorant of what God was going to do. They didn't know. And then God gave a revelation. In that revelation, everyone that we looked at saw imperfections inside themselves, something that kept them from seeing themselves fulfill what God had said. And then God spoke a renewal to them. We've looked at people that have generally responded pretty favorably to this, but there are people in the Word who did not respond very favorably to it. Now, in Abraham's life, the first part of his life, we see that he didn't always respond as favorably as he should, but he will clean that up and we will move on. There's also a second pattern that does not happen for everyone. It seems to be more of an advanced pattern, and we're not going to get to that here this week. We will get to it next week. In the midst, though, of not knowing the will of God, there is a void, and we look for something to fill it. There's urgency, worry, fear, and anxiety. All these things help to put me on a path to receive revelation that is not from God. There are three hindrances we saw to understanding the will of God. First was the, uh, their knowledge is flawed. Second, their maturity level can't handle it. And third, their faith isn't ready. Those are some of the things we have been looking at here in the will of God part. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. And also I will give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants, after you throughout your generations. So again, God is going over the same two things here. He's just given different details out each time he goes over it. I have made you, and I will give you. And this time, in verse 5, he says, No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, which means father of many. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. Now the wording that, he, that the Lord gives him, this is the Lord speaking to him, I have made you. 
God is looking at what he had made him. Abraham is looking at what he is. This is still very often the same thing that we struggle with, that we go through. God has said, I have done these things. I have made you the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And I keep looking at the unrighteousness I walk in, the unrighteousness I have walked in. And it's hard for me to to break out of that. The Word of God says, I have healed you, and I still continue to look at the sickness and disease that, that I'm walking in, that I still seem to be mired in. Now, with the goal of getting thoughts and words aligned, God has changed his name, thereby changing his conversations. Nothing will spur up conversations than having a name change. Everybody knows him as Abram. Suddenly he says, no, my name's not Abram anymore, it's Abraham. Well, why did you change your name to Abraham when you don't have any kids yet? Or maybe that they know his situation, I know he's got one. And then he's got to explain it. Well, God has made me a father of many nations, and God changed my name. Now, most of the people he's talking to, they don't know the God that he knows, and so he just uh, tells them, this is the God that I serve, and this is what my God has declared and what my God has said. So now they're all looking at him and seeing him basically childless, but declaring, I am the father of many nations. And so this, there's going to be a contention here. Now, up till this point, God has spoken what he will do to Abram. And Abram has heard it and looked at his situation and decided, this isn't working. This isn't going to be there. This isn't, this isn't helping. We're not getting to the, to the place that I need to be. And he's arguing with himself and telling himself this, is, this isn't how it's going to be. He's gotten frustrated with God. God, how is this going to be? How are you going to bless me when, when these are the th- situations, when this is what's going on? I don't have any kids. I don't have anyone for you to multiply. How can you be saying these particular things? And so the conversation is going on mostly within Abram and between him and his wife. What God is doing by changing his name is pushing that conversation out into the world. Except now Abram has been having, will be having to deal with the world and he's going to rise up and defend God. Well, why did God change your name? Because this is what my God has declared. This is what my God has said. This is where my God is taking me. My God said, I will make you. My God said, I will give you. He's going to go over these things with them to defend why God has changed his name and why his name is that way. This is having an effect on Abraham. Up till now, he's arguing against God doing what he said. Well, how can God do what he said? I don't have any kids. He's just doing it with himself. But now other people are going to be there and he wants to defend God to these other people because he believes in God. He loves God. With yourself you will generally be harder on God than you are with others. You will represent God much better to others than you will defend them to yourself. When we get into our own things and we're looking at our own situation, I'll argue with God, God, don't you see how faithful I've been? God, don't you see what I have done over here? 
God, why haven't you come through? Why am I still suffering with this? Why is this still going? We're much tougher on that. But when we get out to the world and the world challenges us, we rise up and we speak these things out. No, my God is true. I don't care if you don't see it yet. My God has said he's going to do it. And we'll, we'll talk this way. And Abraham's doing the same kind of thing. But here in verse 10, This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. And he who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male child in your generations, he who is born in your house or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant. He who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money must be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Then God said to Abram, or Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall be from her. So this is what he's speaking. He's changing both of their names. He's getting both of them to change their thinking, getting both of them to change their conversation, how they are talking with other people and be declaring what God has said. God has said to Abraham, you are a father of many nations, therefore changing your name to father of many. From Sarai, she shall give birth to kings and princes and so forth. So we're going to call her her princess now. We're going to change her, her name. We're going to call her and declare something to her about her that she is not just yet. So that's what God is going to do. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 99 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Now, we can't get on Abraham too much because we've all been guilty of this just in different ways. We may have had a condition, a health condition, and that health condition may have survived many an evangelist that we went to see. Maybe it survived many a healing line that we had gone through. We had learned things from the Word of God, and it still continues to linger, and it still continues to go on. And after a while of going through this, we hear somebody teach the Lord your healer, the Lord your provider, the Lord, these things about the Lord, and inside we say, yeah, for everybody but me. How come it's not working for me? What do I have to do to get it to work for me? And this is the same thing that Abraham is doing. All right, you can declare this all you want to, but it hasn't changed. Nothing has happened. And look, now, I'm 99 years old. How is this going to happen to somebody who's 99 years old? Sarah is beyond the years of bearing children. How is it going to happen for her? And so he laughs before God. He fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart. See, a lot of times we don't say things out loud. We say them in our heart. We say them quietly. We like to outwardly display faith. Outwardly display a right confession. Outwardly display that we are doing what the Word of God has said. But inwardly, it's not quite working. Inwardly, hmm, it's not quite uh, going the way we want and we're getting frustrated because we keep having these conversations with ourselves. 
Well, God's word has said this. I hear testimonies of other people and God has worked for them, but it's not working for me. And we have these conversations with ourselves and, and try and understand what's going on. And so right there is a gap. I am ignorant of the will of God. Now, I'm really not, but I tell myself I am because I have created space. I see, here I am, here's what God's Word has said, I'm not getting there, there's something in the middle, there's something in the way, and I'm waiting for revelation on that, and the enemy will come along and give us revelation. Well, God has said that you don't have enough faith. Well, God has just said that you're not uh, in a place to receive that. Well, God has just said that you just need to bear this and show people how to, to bear infirmity. And he'll teach us, he'll, he'll slide these things into us that we would accept them, we would receive them, and then we begin to go on carrying these. Well, I got revelation that uh, this is the will of God for my life. I know this is not the will of God for everybody, but this is the will of God for my life. This is what I will be doing. So I need to carry this on. Now, it's, it's wrong then other people may come along and try and tell you, that's not in the Word of God. But you see, I have accepted it as the Word of God because there is a gap between where I am and where the Word of God has said. And I've got to find out why is that gap there. And that's where the ignorance comes in and a false revelation comes. And that false revelation doesn't line up with the rest of the Word. That false revelation... Is, is not bringing the light. And we went over some of the differences in that. I'm not going to go over all that again. You can go back to last week and, and see some of that. But he fell on his face and he laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Now he's walking after God. He's got the promises of God. He's hanging on to these things. And pivotal to the promise of God is that you will have a son. You and Sarah will have a son. There's been no son, but there has been someone born to his house, and that's Ishmael. And so revelation has come to Abraham. God will fulfill his promise through Ishmael. And he will be the blessed seed that God has said would come to you. Oh, I could see that happening. Yeah, I can see that God can bless Ishmael. Uh-huh. And so then God comes here with this revelation and he laughs and Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. You see, he's gotten revelation. He needs to share this revelation with God. Let him know, God, you may not be aware of this, but I don't have any kids, but I do have Ishmael. And if you'll just bless Ishmael, we can accomplish all that you want to do through him. Don't know if you thought about that before, but I've been thinking about this for a while and I got revelation on this. And I just want to let you know we can, we can accomplish this this way. Let Ishmael live before you. See, it's a whole lot easier to believe something that you can see than believe something that you can't see and something that has been held back for a while. Hasn't quite come to you. Now, I put this in your outline. I believe I did anyway. How does Abraham go from believing God, leaving his home for an unknown land, to laughing as God speaks his will and plan to him? God has not changed his will and plan. He has added some details, but it's all exactly the same. Two parts to the will and plan. 
I will make you and I will give you. I will make you a father of many nations. I will give you this land. He has expanded on that, giving them some examples, the sand of the sea, the stars of the sky. He said different aspects of this, but it's still the same. I will make you, I will give you. When Abraham first heard the word down in Ur, and he left, and they had gone in their way over to the, the way of the, the, the land of Canaan, and when they finally got there, and God spoke a little bit more of the plan to them, before, of course, first, he said, get up, leave your, your family, leave your land for a place that I will show you. And so he went, and then when he got there, he got the revelation, I will make you, I will give you. This is what he's been, been doing. How does, a, how does Abraham go from a place of hearing the word of God and getting excited about the word of God, anticipating the word of God, getting into a place of expectation that what God has said will come about to a place where he laughs at that revelation. How do we get there? Well, he got there simply because it's been delayed. And he's received other revelations in the meantime. He hasn't meditated on just what God said. God said, I will make you. God said, I will give you. And because of that gap, he's needed more revelation. Well, I need to understand why is it that I'm not quite getting there? I need more revelation on this. I need to get some understanding on this. And so he's pursued God. He's asked God about it. And God has, has spoken some things to him. Or he thought God had spoken some things. It wasn't God. It was just somebody, uh, the enemy coming in and doing some things to pollute what God has said and get him to go in a different direction. So much so that when God speaks the revelation to him, he laughs at God. <laughs> can, can God really do this? Oh, that Ishmael would live before you. Now he's left. He's thinking these things. How can this be? How can a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And how can Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? He's thinking these things. But he says to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Now we've all started believing God for something. We started strong. We started because we got the will of God. Someone came along and taught us the will of God for your life is to be healed. And I embraced that teaching. Someone taught us the will of God is, whatever it might you fill in the blank, whatever it is that you were going for, the will of God is this for your life. You saw it in the Word. God spoke to your spirit. This is the will of God for your life. We saw it. We got excited. We were glad. Oh, this is what God is going to do. Oh, God is going to bring this thing about. This is fantastic. This is wonderful. But we got to the place where we weren't quite as excited. And our enthusiasm waned. And God, we would read it in the Word of God. Oh yeah, it does say that. Uh-huh, praise God, praise God. That He said, I'm healed. I'll just take the healing one instead of going all the, all the other ones. But praise God, it says I'm healed. Glory to God. But I'm not excited about it like I was. And then after a while, continuing that way, some preacher gets up and they say, 
Jesus has healed you. You are healed. And I just say in my thought, <laughs> everybody else but me. If you come on down here and get hands laid on you, this is what will happen. <laughs> yeah, right. Not for me. Everybody else probably will, but it won't happen for me. And we begin to think these things. That's the same direction that Abraham had gone. He had gone quite a few years of waiting for this to, to, to happen. Almost 25 years. Now, I wrote this down in your, in your outline. It's not that the plan was impossible to understand. The plan that God had, it was possible to understand. I will make you, I will give you. It's not that the plan was impossible to understand. It was simply understood as impossible. Abraham understood the plan. But he understood the plan as being impossible. It didn't seem so impossible when he was in Ur. It didn't seem so impossible when he was in Haran. It didn't seem so impossible when he first got to Canaan and God reiterated the promise and went over, I will make, I will give. It didn't seem so impossible. But what made it impossible to Abraham was the fact that it didn't happen. I've understood the will of God to be this, but it's not happening the way I have understood it. Therefore, I must understand it wrong and I need revelation as to what is really going on. And this is where people have come that God desires some people to be sick to be an example to others. He needs some people to be sick so they can go in a hospital and minister to the people that are in there. He needs some people that are, and whatever the reason might be, he'll come up with one. You know, a child dies young. Well, God needed that child in heaven. Um, I don't believe he needs any children in heaven. I believe God is completely uh, patient to, to uh, allow him to be, be out there for a while. Come on home and, when his years are completed. But you see, we come up with other things because there's a gap. Here's what God has said. Here's where we are. And it's impossible for me to see how we're going to get there. So I need a different revelation. All right, you don't need to go here. You need to go here. Oh, I can see that. That I can understand is possible. So instead of me going here, I'm going to go here. So Abraham, instead of a son by Sarah, let's go with the blessing through the son Ishmael over here. So I can get there. We already got Ishmael. All you got to do is bless Ishmael. That's it. Yeah, that's pretty easy. You should be able to do that one. You haven't been able to do this one. We've been waiting a long time. But this one you should be able to do because Ishmael's already here. We took care of that. We helped plan along. We got some revelation. We got some understanding. We pursued it and Ishmael's here. So, all you got to do is bless Ishmael. And everything works. And we can still accomplish. I believe everything that you said, you will make me a father of many nations and you will give us this land. I believe that. That's no problem. I just have a hard time believing that the child will come through Sarah. We can get there this way. So see, he's just altered the will of God just a little bit. Because 
It wasn't that the plan was impossible to understand. It was simply understood as impossible. The reason is because of failures and obstacles that were there. I don't see how I can overcome these failures. I don't see how I can overcome these obstacles. These things have been there. They've been there for a long time. And I've been following after God. I've been believing God. We've been overcoming a lot of things. I just don't see how we're going to get it. So an alternative route that was easier to imagine as achievable was proposed. So then God comes back. Then God said, No, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. Not Ishmael. Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget twelve princes and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. I always think that verse is really curious. Because right now we are dealing with the exact same Abraham that we have been dealing for the last 20-some years. He still has the same hang-ups. He still sees the same problem. He's still thinking the same things. He still is having a hard time getting hold of this plan of God. But God has said in this next year it's going to happen. In a year? You're going to bring this about in a year? My covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. Now you can ask God to bless something extra, but not to take his blessing off what he planned. Abraham asked him to bless Ishmael. God says, all right, I'll do that. But that doesn't mean I'm altering my plan. You want me to expand it for the blessing somewhere? I can, I can do that. But uh, this is my plan. You're going to have a son. And he put a name to him. He got a, he's got a name now. This is not just some, some arbitrary son. This is Isaac. Isaac's coming. There's a couple of times God has said in the word, you're going to have a baby. This is the name. This is what you're going to call him. This is one of those times. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. Then he finished talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. Now these verses are important. So Abraham took Ishmael his son, all who were born in his house, and all who were bought with his money, Every male among the men of Abram's house and circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very same day as God had said to him, Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very same day Abraham was circumcised and his son Ishmael, all the men of the house, born in the house or bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. 
Now, though Abraham laughed at first, he set out to immediately act on what God had said. At this point, in Abraham's walk, he does not know how God will bring this to pass. But he understands what he's supposed to do next. And I've got this. I want you to fill this in because I want to make sure that you get this. And if you write it down, it may stay with you a little bit better. Too often, we waste time trying to understand how God will do His part instead of just doing our part. And this is the tactic of the enemy. The enemy knows our tendency to do this, so he helps us along in this. But too often, we waste time trying to understand how God will do his part instead of just doing our part. I don't know how God can heal me of this. This is cancer. I don't know how God can heal me of this. This is incurable. I don't know how God can change this situation. This has never been changed. I don't know how God can do it. And we spend all of our time trying to figure out how can God do his part instead of just doing our part? At this point, after God stops talking and leaves, Abraham still does not know how God will do his part. As far as we can tell, he still thinks the same thing he's been thinking for the last number of years. Sarah can't have a baby. That's just, she's not going to, she's beyond having babies. There's got to be another way. And God came down and says, look, I said through Sarah. I didn't say through anyone else. I said through Sarah. I didn't say you go out and adopt someone. I said through Sarah. I said the two of you would have this baby. I said through Sarah we would do this. And he reiterated that. He still does not understand how. But he sets out to do what he was told to do. And God gave him clear instructions. Now, we're going to set this covenant up. This is going to be the sign of the covenant. I want you to do this. He set right out and he did it. He got it all done. Right away. Don't follow and do what the enemy wants you to do. And that is to linger. How can God do this? I don't see how God can do it. Oh, I don't know. It hasn't happened so far. Nothing has changed in my situation. I still have the same financial problems. I still have the same health problems. I still have the same mental problems. I still have the same, whatever it might be, we still see I have the same thing. Verse 1 of chapter 18. Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees at Mamre as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. There's not that much time that passes here. Chapter 17 began when he was 99 years old and Isaac is born at age 100. In fact, in the last vision, he said, this time next year. So that gives us an idea that one year passed, which means if you're going to have a baby in one year, pregnancy has to happen about three months. Huh. He went through three months of doing what he knew to do and stopped messing around with what God had to do. Let God take care of what he's going to do. You do what you need to do. 
And this, you'll see this many times in the area of Scripture. If you go a little bit further ahead from here, and Israel is at the Red Sea, and God has said, I will deliver you. Well, I don't know how God's going to do that. We're trapped. These guys are coming. They're mad. We've got the Red Sea over here. We've got the mountains on either side. There's no way where we can go. I don't know how God's going to... You could spend all your time trying to figure out how God's going to do it. Or you could just do what He says. You could spend all your time like Jarius on how can God, how can Jesus raise my daughter from the dead? Or you can just do what Jesus said to do. What did Jesus say to do? Don't fear. All right. All I have to do is not fear. I don't have to figure out how Jesus is going to do this. I just got to figure out what I need to do. So many places in the Bible you will see that people kept messing with what they weren't responsible for. They were, they were stepping out. They were, well, I don't know how God's going to do this. I don't know what God's going to do. No, just let God do it. Once we get lined up with the will of God, doing what we understand and believing what we don't, things can happen pretty quick. Once we get lined up with the will of God, doing what we understand and believing what we don't. That's really our role. Do what you understand you are to do. Believe that God will do what He's going to do. I can't do what God's going to do. But I can do what God asked me to do. There is never a time in any story in the Bible that God did not tell people to do something that they could not do. Some of it may have been difficult, but they could do it. That's what, we, that's what Abraham needed to do. I'm going to change your conversations, Abraham. You're going to talk to people about being a father of many nations. You're going to see yourself as a father of many nations. And if somebody comes up to you and you say, What's your, your name is Abraham? Now, did I hear that right? Your name is Abraham now? Yeah, my name is Abraham. Why is your name Abraham now? Because God has made me a promise. When did God make you this promise? Way back when I was in the land of Ur. He told me to come out here and he was going to do some things. When I got here, he told me, I will make you, I will give you. He may not have gone over the give you part. He may have just gone over the make you part. I don't know if you're talking to people in the land and you say, God's going to give me your land. <laughs> that may not go over well. I don't know that I would have shared that part. <laughs> but his name didn't deal with the land. His name dealt with I will make you. And so that's probably what he spent most of his conversation on. Well, God's going to make you a father of many nations? I mean, Joe down the road, he's got more kids than you do. Sam up over here, he's got more kids than you do. I mean, just about everybody around here, they have more kids than you do. And they're younger than you are. How are you going to be the father of many nations, more so than these guys. Because this is what my God has said. And see, for most of us, whenever somebody attacks God, we begin to defend them. We begin to tell them, no, our God is God. Our God is great. And we begin to say things to them. If my God said it, he will bring it about. But see, I wasn't thinking that way. But if I got to talk to you about it, I'm probably going to do that. You watch your own self. A lot of times, 
that if your if your uh, relatives who don't believe in God begin to attack God and begin to ask some of the questions you may have yourself. Don't you rise up and say, no, the word of God says this. <laughs> no, my God has come through for other people this way. My God will come through for you too if you just trust him. We begin to get almost aggressive with it. No, my God will do this. If we would only take that attitude towards ourselves, that we take towards other people, we would change things. So God got Abraham to start taking this attitude to other people. And then pretty soon, he started taking it to himself. If Sarah brought up anything against this, you know our God said this, you know our God can do it. And he began to, to speak this way. We know this happened because of what goes on here in the next chapter. Now before chapter 17, Abraham, Abraham was thinking and speaking things against the declared will of God. His change is made visible by the way he responds here in chapter 18. Verse 2. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him, and when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground, and he said, My Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may be refreshed, that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd. He took a tender and good calf, gave it to the, a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf, which he had prepared, and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? So he said, Here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life, nine months, and behold, Sarah your wife shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door which was behind him. Now you can get that picture, right? Abram's out there talking. Probably Sarah heard her name. Where is Sarah, your wife? What? <laughs> what are they talking about me for? And probably went right up to the door so that she could hear. What, what are they saying? What are they talking about? Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age. And Sarah had passed the age of childbearing, just in case you forgot. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child, since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, No. But you did laugh. Huh. So this time Abraham accepts what God says without doubting. Sarah doubts. But Abraham doesn't. He hears what God says. Okay. That's good. That's a lot different from the Abraham three months ago. Now he speaks the same. All right. Yeah, I can, I can buy into this. 
Remember, he's, he gave him in a year. This is going to happen. For three months, he's been talking like this. He's got his focus. God said in a year. God said in a year this is going to happen. This is what's going to go on. Now, he's having all these conversations with Sarah, but she apparently is not having the same kind of change. So I put this in your outline for you. Is Sarah unimportant? Over these 24, 25 years, who has God been dealing with? Abraham. Has God dealt with Sarah? All we know is he changed her name. He is dealing with Abraham. Is God against women? <laughs> no, we know many times that he has, has spoken to women about their calling. Uh, Mary, which certainly one we took up here not too long ago, and spoke to her about it. And there's been other women in the Bible that he has spoken to. He has no problem speaking to women and, and telling them the, the cause. But he's only speaking to Abraham. Even here in this one, Sarah's in the tent. He says, where's Sarah? She's in the tent. Why doesn't he say, well, go get her? Go get her. Isn't it odd? If God is going to bless Abraham and Sarah, why don't we get Sarah out here? Why is Sarah in the tent? Why is Sarah never out here when this is going on? Now, I'm going to give you a statement here. And you may have to go home and think on this just a little bit. But I'm going to give you some examples to help you along with it. God doesn't seem to need everyone in faith. Just the one he is working through. God doesn't seem to need everyone in faith. Just the one he is working through. Here's some examples. You can write them in there if you want to. In the New Testament, in the life of Jesus, the only one that we see him working through in this particular situation is Jairus. Jairus. Do we ever hear of him working through his wife? Now, she's probably in the room when they kick everybody else out. But all he speaks to is Jairus. That's it. He only speaks to him. Don't fear. Only believe. He speaks to him. He's not speaking to the wife. He doesn't say, send somebody home. Rush home. Get your wife to be this way too. He doesn't do that. He only deals through Jairus. The woman with the issue of blood. I assume she's married. Where's her husband? Why is her husband never mentioned? Naaman was healed of leprosy. Who was the one that was worked through? It was Naaman. David faced Goliath. How many people on the side of Israel stood in faith with David? Do we know of anybody? I don't know of a single person. Maybe Jonathan. Jonathan was a man of faith. We don't even find him in the story. Apparently where he stood wasn't important. All that mattered in delivering the death of Goliath was David. That was it. It seems that God only needs 
the one person that he's working through to be in faith. So we come to this point here, and he's going to say here, the time, the time of uh, life, Sarah's going to have a baby. We have not even dealt with Sarah. And here we are, the day of. She is going to get pregnant today, tomorrow, somewhere in this time. She's getting pregnant right, right around now. And she's laughing. Changing her name didn't have any effect on her at all. Changing Abraham's conversation in the house didn't seem to have any effect on her at all. She's still in the spot where she does not believe this is going to happen. God dealt with Abraham. Because all he needs is one person to work through. Don't need a whole lot of folks. Just needs the one. I heard uh, somebody on... on a, uh, Chris came on to me on Sunday and asked me a phenomenal question. And... Um, We'll probably have to get into it on Sunday because uh, when I told the story about Sister Gray, I apparently left out a detail and it caused some confusion on the end of the story because the way I told it, it left it open that other people could put you in or out of the hand of God. But you see, the detail I left out is that Sister Gray was not conscious. So this is where you depend on other people. Do not fear for a moment that if you are able to ask God and stand in faith for things. Don't think for a moment that anyone else's disbelief will have any effect on you at all. It will not. In fact, when Jesus came over to Jairus' house and they were all they were carrying on and, and doing stuff, all he did is put them out of the room. He didn't try and quiet them down. He didn't try and say, you know, you just all stop it. You're going to quit this thing. Nope, he didn't do that. He just get out of here. That's all. When he had the man with the withered hand, he didn't get all the unbelievers out of the synagogue. He didn't need that because all he needed was this one person to do something in faith. That's it. Just the one person. So um, my wife had asked a question. Uh, I'm not sure. Some of the, one of the discussions we had, I guess, her getting ready for the prayer class or, or something along those lines. Um, and so we were, we were talking about it. What, what do you do with people that are unconscious? How do you pray for people that have lost consciousness? They're in the hospital. They're in a coma. It's things like that. So um, I began to, to set up and meditate on it and I filled up a couple of pages of notes on it and then uh, so it just sits there and I'll pick it up again later on. I don't know when we'll get into it. It's just kind of just sitting there and and uh, took the handwritten notes and typed them all up and, and there's still more meditating I'm going to do in it and I'm still uh, you know figuring out some of these things but it's good for us to, to know. Uh, but don't think that if you are a... a conscious and believe in God, do not think that anyone else can put you in or out of the hand of God. It's you. It's just you. But if you get to a place of being unconscious, there are some things that go on. And that's what we'll, we'll work on that. But again, I don't know when we're going to get into that. i got so many things on the drawing board right now. And not enough time to get into them all. But that's okay. I'd rather be on that side <laughs> than wondering what we're going to do. So there's some examples. You can be thinking through some of the stories that you know in the Word of God and take a look at it on your own. It's not that God is opposed to having more people being in the area of faith, but all He needs is one, and He can accomplish what He wants to do. God knows when you laugh at His promises, even when you laugh by yourself 
and in the tent. He knows. You can deny it, but then you're not dealing with the problem. But really, it doesn't seem to matter where Sarah is. It's not that Sarah is completely unimportant, but God is working through Abraham. God has said from the beginning, Abraham, this is what I'm going to do. And even your wife cannot get in the way of this. I just need you to be in a place of faith. And that's where he was taking them. Well, put this down here in your outline for you too. To understand more of the will of God, act on what you do understand. If you want to understand more of the will of God, act on what you now understand. Whatever you understand right now, act on it. It may seem like it's inconsequential. It may seem like it has nothing to do with anything coming on. Act on it. Do it. Not understanding how should not prevent you when, when you do understand what. In other words, not understanding how God is going to do it should not prevent you from understanding what you are to do. If you've got a what to do, don't be messing with the how. Let God take care of the how. You do the what. What did God say to do? Well, God said I should do this. Then do it. Yeah, but how's he going to stop it? Do the what. Let God do the how. God, how are you going to have Sarah have a baby? Abraham, that's not for you to be messing with. Let me do the how. You do the what. And God spoke some things to him. And he went right out and did it. Very often God has told us some what's to do. Sometimes we'll, we'll hear the what. I don't see how that's going to affect anything. doesn't matter if you see how it's going to affect anything. Do what he said to do. Until we become content in knowing what God has revealed to us and walk in it by faith, we will not advance to the next stage. We have more to get into in that word content there and we'll spend some time in the, in the um, week or two coming up. But until we become content in knowing what God has revealed to us and walk in it by faith, we will not advance to the next stage. There is still another stage that we had spoken to you about and we'll be looking into that more next week. That is the inquiry, response, instruction, and reception. So we'll spend uh, some time on that particular pattern here next, next week. But here in this one, inquiry. I don't know how this is going to happen. We ask God how to do it. God, I don't know what you want to do. I don't know what my will is, or your will is for my life. We make an inquiry. We ask God to understand, to know, to receive his will. He speaks it to us. There's a response. We give a response to that. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going the wrong one. There's a, there was an ignorance. There's a revelation. God spoke the revelation to us. There's an imperfection. As soon as that revelation comes, we looked at so many cases, and there's still more in, in the Word of God. When, that, when He spoke that revelation, I, I have an inquiry. I have an uh, ignorance. I ask God, I'm ignorant. What do you want me to do? God speaks revelation to me. I've received that revelation and so many times that revelation exposes a, a weakness, exposes a problem, exposes something. 
And I see imperfection in me. And then God spoke of renewal about that imperfection or imperfections. He spoke of renewal. We have to receive it. There was imperfections. God had spoken something to Abraham, gave him revelation. You are going to be a father of many nations. I will make you and Sarah father of uh, the, the parents of many nations. There are going to be kings that come from her. There will be princes that come from her. And then we saw an inadequacy. But I have no kids. She has no, no sons. No children of any kind. How is this going to happen when we have this glaring inadequacy? And God spoke of renewal to him. And he had to get to a place where he received it. And it seems like until God changed his name, he didn't do the receiving end on it too well. But once he changed his name, he began to be renewed. And once we got Abraham to that spot, then God was able to, to bring it about. Even though Sarah was laughing, God was still able to get, us, get him to the spot. There were hindrances that they faced along the way here. Their knowledge was flawed. Perhaps God will give us a child in this way. The maturity level couldn't handle some things. They fled off to Egypt. Began to say, she's not my wife, she's my sister. Their faith wasn't quite ready for some of the things that God would have them to to do, he kept giving them more and more details about the two things he's going to do. I will make you and I will give you. God has spoken some things to us. Some things about us that haven't come true yet. He has said, you are healed, but I'm not there yet. He has said, you are blessed, but I'm not, I don't see myself as being there yet. He said, you're the head, not the tail, but I don't see that I have arrived at that spot yet. He has declared things to me, but I'm seeing that there's, I'm coming up short. I'm inadequate. Somehow something isn't right. And when I see that inadequacy, he will speak renewal to me. But I have to receive the work of that renewal. We need to go through this cycle and get this cycle to be successive, successful. Once it is successful, Abraham is then set for the next stage. Not everyone in the Word of God hits the next stage. In fact, there are very few, actually, that will hit the next stage. It seems that the hindrance for that is that most people don't successfully negotiate this first stage. The amount of people that failed in this, as simple as it is, we've failed in it. There's ignorance, there's revelation, there's imperfection, there's renewal. And we looked at a number of cases. There's more in the Word. I hope you do some of your own thinking on this and begin to see where, was the, where did God speak revelation to help somebody in their ignorance? How did they respond? And then what did God speak as a renewal? How did they respond to that renewal? What went on? There are people who failed in this area and they never went beyond it. They never got, got past it. But uh, Saul is certainly one. Never got past this. Jeroboam was certainly one. Never got past it. So the people in the Word of God, they never got past it. They can never get on to the next stage. God may have had another stage for them. He may have had some things set up 
in the next pattern, in the next stage, but they never came to it. Now, how are you doing on it? We should make sure that we do not live this life down here on this earth and graduate to heaven and not fulfill this first pattern. That God has spoken revelation to us in our ignorance. It revealed some imperfections, some areas where you say, well, I'm not quite lined up for that. I don't think I can quite walk in that. I don't know how that's going to work. Somehow imperfections came and then God will speak renewal. How will we receive that renewal? That's really the whole thing. Right there. How will we receive the renewal? And Abraham is a great one to study to see how that will be. You can go through even some of the life of the disciples and you can see some of this same pattern going through. So the people in the New Testament, there's people in the Old Testament. But make sure that you get yourself to the place where you receive his renewal. And it changes you into what God wants you to become. Well, Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you that you have spoken some things to us. You have given us revelation. Some of it came from your word. Some of it came to our spirit. But whenever it came, we saw something in ourselves that came up short. With Abraham, he was short a kid. He was short a son. With us, we may be having other shortcomings. Mary had the shortcoming of not having a husband. Isaiah had the shortcoming of what he saw as imperfections in his lips. Other people had shortcomings. They saw problems in their ability, problems in what they understood in their knowledge. But you'll speak renewal. And some would receive it, and some would not. But boy, it seems that more often the people who would not receive it went down a road that they never came back from. Help us, Father, to achieve this success in our life. And we can go through this cycle and get to the end, receive that renewal, and see that revelation that you spoke to us fulfilled. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.